It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering, as always. And as always, it's presented by Joseph Chevrolet. Skinny Bengals offensive lineman Clint Bowling had been sidelined all summer with an undisclosed injury. On Monday, we found out why when the club posted that he had been dealing with a blood clot. Bowling also announced that he was retiring due to the health-related issue. Quote, this is not an easy decision, but it is the right one for me, my wife Kelly, and our two young girls, Bowling said. I want to thank the Brown family for giving me the opportunity to play my entire career with the Bengals. I also want to thank my teammates, coaches, fans, and everyone who has supported me throughout my career. Bowling was the Bengals' most dependable offensive lineman, playing every snap last season. He started all 16 games five times during his career, including each of the last two years. Bowling was a fourth-round pick in the 2011 draft. My question for you is, what does the loss of Clint Bowling mean for a Bengals team that already lost first-round pick Jonah Williams at that left side of the offensive line? Yeah, it's going to sound bad. I don't think it means much of anything. I really don't. Um, uh, yeah, Clint did start all the games. He took every snap last year. He is a he is a consummate pro. One of those guys that just occasionally you just go to talk to just to talk to him. Um, had a pulse of the team, all those kind of things. Said said the right things when he needed to say them. Um, and I like Clint a lot. I like him personally. I, I was I admired him as a, as a pro, but. I think Clint was already he was already being phased out. I mean, let's face facts. You know, Cordy Glenn was going to play left guard. I, I honestly, I didn't think it was injury related initially that had him sitting out. He didn't do anything in organized team activities, which are voluntary. But he was there. He just stood and watched. He didn't take part in the mini camp, which is mandatory. But again, he just stood and watched. He took part in stretching in that. And I thought he was making a business decision of, listen, man, if I'm not in your plans, I ain't going out here and getting hurt. I'll stick around in case you need me for depth. And if we get the training camp and it's not working out, cut me. Let me go sign on with somewhere else. I made a prediction to some friends. I said, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him go to the Jets and, and go with Frank Pollock. Frank knows him. He's a pro. They, you know, they, they need some bodies. Um, but he's been dealing with some issues for a while. The blood clots were, were new, but he, you know, he, he played with a torn labrum a couple of years ago. Played with it. I mean, played with it. Uh, he he or a separated shoulder. Rather. He was just a tough, tough guy. But I I think they'd already kind of moved on from Clint. Um, a healthy Clint Bowling, you could have slid back in there at left guard, but he's not healthy, so we have to take that into effect and say see you later. But I mean, it is kind of a a blow. All of a sudden, this revamped offensive line, you lose. The guy you were going to play at left tackle is your starter, and Clint was a starter last year. So, I mean, you lose two, arguably two of your best six linemen if they're healthy. Uh, so that, that doesn't that doesn't help. But I think basically they had moved on from Clint already, and in their minds, if, if it's not going to be Cordy Glenn now out at tackle, it'll be it'll be Christian Westerman, it'll be Michael Jordan who they drafted, it'll be uh, John, John Jerry who they signed as a free agent. That they, They've got a lot of options there. I don't know if they're as good as Clint, but they do have a lot of options there. So you think even after Jonah Williams' injury and Cordy Glenn moving back to that left tackle spot that Clint probably still wasn't going to be the starter at left guard? Um, no, only because it, obviously he was dealing with this, and, I, and maybe they had already decided, maybe the hope was, hey, let's let some time heal this, and if not, you know, you have to make a decision. We'll make a decision. All those things. I, well, I, again, if he'd have been healthy, Clint would have slid back in there and played left guard. I mean, you're talking about a guy who took every snap last year. So you're not talking about a guy that played two games and you're hoping he's hanging on at the end of his career at age 35. He did take every snap. He wasn't great. And, and some of it is he plays very hurt a lot of times. But I, you know, I, I think 
I'm looking forward to seeing can Christian Westerman really play. It feels like every time he's gotten a chance, he's played well. But for whatever reason, either I, and I don't know what the reason is. The, the, the coaching staff has not believed in him. The previous staff, maybe this staff does. Again, you did draft Michael Jordan to a point where maybe he's he was a fourth round pick. Maybe he slides in and plays left guard. Uh, maybe John Jerry, who you signed, plays left guard. Trey Hopkins is still on this roster. Can maybe play some left guard. Um, Alex Redman. He's getting replaced at right guard, but maybe he gets into the mix as well. I mean, you have a the thing is you do have a lot of you have a lot of options, and not all of them are bad. Yeah, I don't think Clint Bowling is a difference maker Correct. or a guy that was going to change your outcome for this season necessarily. But I will say I'm starting to get a little. You, you mentioned all those names, but they're all a bunch of question marks. Correct. We're getting to the point where this offensive line hasn't been great the last few years, uh, particularly last year. And you were trying to revamp it. You're trying to revamp it, and then now two of the guys that you kind of penciled penciled in as in the mix and probably starters after Jonah Williams got hurt. Or I mean, obviously you, you mentioned Bowling's injury. We don't know how that would have played out, but. Losing that depth and just sort of that security blanket of, well, at least you know Clint Bowling. You Correct. know what he can give you, even if he's not 100% and he's solid. Right. I mean, he played every snap last year. And some of that you could argue was by default, maybe, maybe. But he also was a starter on some playoff teams. So Clint, Clint was a good player. Yeah, I think it's tough to feel great about this Bengals offensive line right now, especially after the draft comes and goes, free agency comes and goes, and all we hear is, well, they're really all in on building up this running game right. and getting behind Joe Mixon and a power running system, and this offensive line is going to be better. I'm not feeling great about that plan right now. No, I mean, and, and I, I think when they signed uh, John Jerry as a, as, a, as a free agent here not too long ago, um, he had gotten waived. I think it was kind of a red flag of, all right, we need some extra bodies in here for depth. So I, I, I think I'm excited. I'm excited to see, can Christian Westerman really play if he gets an opportunity? Can Michael Jordan play? I mean, he's a young guy. I think, they want, I think they'd like to nurse him along and not throw him into the fire as a, as a rookie. And he's a young rookie, too. I mean, he's only 20 years old. I don't think he turns 21 until the, the season starts. So he's young. Um I think they wanted to kind of have him be, hey, let's let's you're there for depth. We're not having to rush you. We're not having to throw you into the mix. We don't know if you're ready or not. I mean, it was a guy who also started from day one at Ohio State as a true freshman. That's tells me the guy's got some capability. So I'm I'm kind of excited to see some of those guys play and, and see what they can do. All right, switching gears here, Skinny. FC Cincinnati unveiled the new design plans for its under-construction stadium project in the city's West End on Tuesday. The stadium is scheduled to open in March 2021 and will include around 26,000 seats, two video boards, a 30-foot-tall staircase on Central Parkway, and the defining design feature, a 360-degree LED-lit canopy roof that can be programmed to glow and pulsate. Yay. My question for you is, do you like the look of FC Cincinnati's new stadium design? I would say, I guess if you're a fan, you, you would like it. I think it, it looks like a little too much to me. I mean, it looks cool. I mean, it's impossible to say it doesn't look cool, right? It does look cool. But I, I don't know about I don't. I just don't go to games because of the stadium. I mean, I, I don't want to go to a stadium that's a, that's a run-down crap hole, right? But I don't need all of that to go to. I don't. Uh, um, I just I, need a comfortable place to watch the game from. Yeah, I don't think anyone needs it. Well, but, so then what's the point? Well, I think, I, I, I mean, come on. It's going to be a centerpiece of the West End. Oh, please. <laughs> so so right now you are just thumbing your nose at architect the idea of architecture in general. Yes, for a stadium. <laughs> but skinny, stadiums are one of the most visible parts of your city. I mean, it can be a major... Look at our city skyline. Two of the most noticeable things right. are, are the Bengal Stadium if, and the Red Stadium. If, if by, and you know what everyone says that comes here? Red Stadium, beautiful. Looks brand new. Oh, and boy, they just pack place. them in there, don't they? And then... Next Hang on. Place. And they just pack them in there, don't they? 
That, but that's not the point here. We're, well, we're sure it about, is. We're not, we're not asking, are people going to go or not? We're asking, do and you they, like they, the look of and it? And they are spending their own money, so however you want to do it, go spend your own money. That's fine. Right, right. I mean, you're arguing against that. soccer guy right now, and I'm not soccer no. guy. I'm, I'm architecture guy right now. Okay. I want to know what does... Frank Lloyd Wright Jr., here he is. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. What Do you like the look of it? It's, it's yeah. going to be in our city. Are you yeah. okay with the way it looks? Yeah, I just it's just too much for me. I don't, I don't need all that. <laughs> if it was a... Uh, arena football stadium, how would you feel about it? I, I, too much. Okay. <laughs> I Where's well, the thing? All right, so if this team somehow, and I hope for the fan base it's not the case, if this team after the or heading into, well, let's just say, let's go through the 2021s because you're going to pack that place regardless because of the newness. That that part's a given and that's understandable. But let's just say after 2021, they're still a, a doormat type of franchise. And the hope would be they're not. But if they are, is that stadium really going to keep drawing you to that no, but that's, okay, I mean, but that's, that's my not, point. No, I agree with that, but we're not, our, I mean, your point stands for the Reds and the Bengals. Right. I mean, we know you have to win. Yes. And that's, that's, as he says, he has to figure out that side of things. And I'm very concerned about the situation they're now in because they've spent a ton of money and they already looks like, look like a typical Cincinnati professional dumpster fire. <laughs> yes, they do. The way we expect yes, them to be. Do. So. I agree with you there. It's just too much. I like the. I. I. I it'll. It'll be neat. It'll. I. I, I can't say it's not going to be neat. It's yeah. just not going to make. I don't know. I'm just not going to drive by and go. Whoa. Well, I think uh, I'm probably not going to drive by it much. Period. Because I don't I mean, go over the there. The thing to me. The thing to me that got me was the was the was the staircase. The staircase leading up. I mean, really. I mean, really? <laughs> well, with soccer, they do that whole march in I thing. Know. All the fans march into the game together. So I guess, like to that to them, that's an attraction. The staircase kind of is a turnoff to me. I'm like, I really don't want to walk up a bunch of stairs Correct. before I go in. Um, now, the big the, to me, the big thing with the stadium, what everyone's going to see, is going to be the, the LED yeah. light thing. Yeah. I know they had to make some changes in that from the initial plans because it, it was going to be way too expensive yes. and un- unfeasible. So. I'm interested to see how bright and how well this new design you can, is you, pulled off. You can see this coming that it's going to be so Dull. bright. Yeah, it's good. Oh, no, so, so bright. Or so bright that the people in that area, the people in the neighborhood are going to say, "Wait a minute. I'm trying to sleep at nine o'clock at night and you're going to put these lights on?" Yeah, well they're already complain complaining about that type you can of see stuff. It's so coming. you know that's coming. There's no it's doubt. either going to be that or it's going to look like the Bengal Stadium and just be a quote-unquote futuristic hunk of ugly concrete. Some of that though is Bengal relay. They could make the inside of it a lot Oh, yeah. A lot better. But I'm saying the LEDs and the color, the lights on this thing better look pretty good because if it doesn't, it's just going to be a big hunk of gray. Well, that and if somehow they just it just doesn't work the way you hoped it would work, you're just going to get poked fun at. But look, it's their money. They can do with it what they want. And if fans enjoy it, go enjoy it. I will say I actually do think the design is pretty cool from what I've seen. But that's I feel like that's what soccer stadiums are. They're all kind of futuristic looking now. Um, The fact that they have the open top, I think, is kind of like you've been to map free stadium up in Columbus. I have not. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Since when? I thought it was... Uh... For a long time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Go, go look at that one. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> what? You just get, you get mad whenever we bring up soccer. I know. <laughs> you get mad whenever we bring up soccer. This has nothing Spe- to do with soccer. I, speaking of which, speaking of which, your Rose Lavelle take from yeah, last let's, week. Let's, yeah, let's get into it. It has the people of my demographic all up in arms thinking you're five shades of nuts. People are really mad about that. They are. I, I've yet to hear any interesting comebacks other than what we already discussed, which is the other... The other Moment might be Pete Rose's hit. Correct. It's not even close. That's the thing. It's not even close. Why is it not close? It's just, it wasn't a game winner. It, it, it just wasn't. I, I mean, I don't. And somebody, somebody, somebody even I said, was he even alive then? I said, no. I said, so he's got a frame of reference that's different. I get that. 
No, I don't think that's the issue here. I mean, again, we shut down Ken Griffey Jr.'s 500th home run or any of his home runs because they were milestones, which is the same situation for Pete Rose. Now, I'm not saying that no, hit no, no, isn't no, no, important. No, 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 no. Now, if Ken Griffey Jr. set the all-time home run record, that's different than a milestone. Pete Rose's 3,000th hit I'm not talking about. I'm not even talking about his 4,000. I'm talking about the all-time hit record. Yes, it's a milestone, but it's also a significant accomplishment. That's right. Milestones I'm not saying... 2,000 hits, 3,000 hits, 4,000 hits. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All you old idiots need to settle down for a second. Whoa, hold on now. I, I never, hold on now, AOC. Stop pointing fingers at old idiots. <laughs> I, I, I never said that it wasn't significant i said the only thing that would compare is that so i clearly think it's probably the other greatest moment but like i'm not arguing that it's not a great moment but i think you guys acting like rose lavelle isn't in the conversation is ridiculous i i I, it's nice what she did she scored if she scored the game you're acting like the olympics don't matter if she had scored the game no i I mean honestly i'd have to find some gold medal performances I, i really would um they're probably a gold medal boxing performance or two i'm drawing a complete blank on Becky Rule and diving from over Northern Kentucky. That's we talked about. I brought that up yeah. in the last show, and I said those would be nice. But those individual um, Olympic sports, no one really cares about or remembers the same way they do the women's national team. Again, I go back to like if she scored, scored the game winner, if it had been the golden goal to win the whole thing, then I may agree with you. But okay. she did. I mean, I she think scored a goal in the chain. And again, I'm not diminishing the accomplishment. It's awesome. It's awesome that a Cincinnatian did it. It's awesome that a Cincinnatian right. that, that that everybody seems to be able to embrace did it. I, all so, that stuff. So but, everyone here thinks I'm an idiot for yes. saying this, but we're all acknowledging that those are the top two moments in Cincinnati history. So what are we really okay. saying? We all agree, except for a slightly Pete is like degrees. on a different pantheon. It's not. It's it not. Is. It, it is. It, Only it is. for old guys who love Pete Rose. I don't love Pete Rose. Trust me, I don't love Pete Rose. I love the accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big moment. I'm not at all See, downplaying I, it, but I think, like, I, I, I think there's a jerk. Put did, it this way. Do you think do you think Pete Rose High School had a watching par- watch party for his uh, record-setting game? Watch Guarantee party, they didn't Watch know. parties weren't a thing then either. Oh, I mean, yeah, sure they were. No, they were. When, when people Dude. went to the Olympics, you don't think their hometowns sat around? Did you never watch um, Cool Runnings, the Jamaican bobsled team? They definitely <laughs> sit around and watch. Maybe in Jamaica, but not here. Yes, Skinny. No, that's no, ridiculous. No, no. Mia Hamm, I, I would tell you this, in the like, 1980s, I never heard the term watch party. Not one time that I ever heard the absurd. term watch party. You called it some. You called it a get together, drinking beers, maybe. No, I, I actually know. went. I actually went to the event. Well, you guys didn't have TV. I forgot what era you grew up in. <laughs> we had TV, okay. and it actually was in color. And we actually had cable too, just in case you're wondering, smart guy. So yes, all those things. Um, I th- first, I mean, that's just a flat out lie. You guys got together and watched games. There's bar tabs to prove it. Like, I mean, I don't know what you're talking. I about. I don't think it was called watch. I don't. We didn't do watch parties at schools you, for people. You don't think that communities got together to watch, like when a local kid from their community went and play, whether it's their school, their church, whatever. You don't think they watched them in the Olympics? I that's think they watched them. I don't think they watched them in large groups. I think that's a hundred percent false. I don't. I really don't. I'm just telling you. Well, I, I grew up in the era. I don't. I don't remember ever going to a watch party. Well, I mean, then in this, in that case, this was so important that they did it now, so it was more important. Okay, all right. So that's your argument for it. I, yes, I think for a kid. Again, no, you have. No, I will say this. You, 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 you got to admit this. Recency bias is always is always a thing. a thing. Yes, but you guys are also approaching it from the standpoint of. Baseball is a more important sport, so it matters more. And I, I agree with that. Like, in culture, it matters more. But I'm talking about if you were like a kid and you're growing up, like, wanting to achieve your dreams, to me, getting to that, like, playing in the Olympics and getting that goal, like, your hometown is going to be more proud of that than they are 
Oh, you were no, setting a record no, in major no, no, leagues. No, no. This town, when Pete set the record, was oh, trust me, I know one still billion have to hear percent about it, behind. Him. Yeah, it was one billion percent behind him. Trust me, that yeah, that, this pales in comparison to that. It just does. I, I totally Again, I don't want to just downplay the one moment. Put it this way: Pete Rose, without without setting the record, is still one of the greatest hitters to ever live, and everyone knows who Pete Rose is. Without Rose Lavelle scoring a goal in the World Cup, if she doesn't make the next World Cup, we may have never heard her name again, and no one may have ever remembered who that's Rose possible. Lavelle was. Yeah, now she will be forever immortalized on all types of things. Gr- girls will grow up wanting to be her. That that goal, that singular well, moment so, of the goal, is the moment. That's let, the let point. Me, let me ask you this then. Because I think you're going to lead up the committee. Where will we put Rose Lavelle Way? Will it be a way or a place? Oh, it's going to be right in front of her mural. Rose Lavelle Place? Way or place? Which I'm one would it be? You street like place? I'm a soccer way? guy. No, no, I'm I don't even watch where, soccer. Where are we going to put it? Is it a way, a place, a street, or an avenue? It's a boulevard. Parkway. Rose Lavelle it's a par- Boulevard. Parkway. I think we go Parkway, dude. Well, she is a Xavier fan, so. There you go. Victory there, Parkway, I, I like Rose Lavelle it. Parkway. I like it. I just want to bring that up because I had a lot of folks in my demo. The old guy. The yeah. old guy demo. Old, I, I, you know, you demo. know who it is? Old irrational guys who are mad that Pete Rose is no longer Pete Rose because we figured out he's a rapist. I, dude, you are, you're coming. I am not a Pete Rose guy. I know. I'm and not, I'm not a soccer guy. I'm not like here to defend soccer. I still, the accomplishment in this city was was The accomplishment defining. overall, yes. But that And maybe moment, because it occurred in this city, too. That's the other part. It occurred here in this town. Yeah, and I, you're right about that. But again, the overall accomplishment, sure. Who Pete Rose was, sure. He's bigger than Rose Lavelle. I'm saying that one hit isn't a bigger moment, isn't a more proud moment, isn't a cooler moment than her scoring a goal in the Olympics. Oh, yes, it is. I just disagree. Well, you're, not Olympics, World Cup, but yeah, I know you're pointing. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I World Cup. Same, yeah, same yeah, concept. Though, Absolutely. Though. Same concept. I'll give you that. So there you go. All right, moving on. What's next? <laughs> Skinny, the Reds are now 2-3 and three since the All-Star break following Tuesday night's 4-3 extra inning loss to the Cubs. The Cubs won on a walk-off homer in the bottom of the 10th by local product Kyle Schwarber. But before that, in the top Was of the Was that a big inning, moment? Not big enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, in the top of the ninth inning, the Reds got Scooter Jeanette to second base with one out and couldn't get him in with Farmer, Winker, and Votto due up. Kimbrell reached a full count against Votto before ending the inning with a flyout to center. After scoring three runs in the first inning, the Reds had nine base runners throughout the remainder of the night and only reached and only one of them reached third base. The Reds are leaving the sixth most runners in scoring position on base per game in the majors at 3.11 per game. My question is, do you think the Reds' clutch hitting, and specifically Joey Votto's clutch hitting, is a major concern for this team? I do, both accounts. And, and it's interesting because there are, and I'm a big sabermetrics guy, and there's a lot of people that love sabermetrics that don't believe in the term clutch hitting. And I think they're, because they can't quantify it, right? Other than you can say what a guy is with runners in scoring position and those kind of things. Yeah. And you can see situations with two outs, but people don't really quantify clutch hitting. Yeah, it doesn't exist in their mind. Yeah. All the numbers yeah. add up. Correct. Yeah. I think there is something to it. I think there is something to figuring out a way to get a guy home from third base with less than two outs. That, that That's kind of your job, whatever it takes to get the guy home. And in the case of, of, of this, Joey Votto was 2-0 and on Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimball throws hard. I'm not going to discount that. He used to throw harder than anybody other than the role as Chapman, and sometimes he'd throw harder than the role as Chapman. So I'm not going to discount the fact that Craig Kimball has been a great closer throughout his career and still throws pretty hard, still has good stuff. But Joey Votto had two fastballs on two. He had a 2-0 fastball right down the middle that he fouled back. 2-1 fastball foul back. He just, it stinks he can't catch up to that stuff anymore. And I look, I went to bat for him. Literally in June, because he did have a good June. Statistically, he had a good June. 900 OPS, got on base at a high rate, still does get on base. I mean, he still leads his team, I believe, I didn't look today, 
but through the All-Star break, he, he led this team still in on-base percentage by a significant number. So he was still doing that. But, I mean, Friday night, Jesse Winker's on third base. Less than two outs. Fado fans, they pick Winker off. Now the pickoff is on Winker, but get him home. Last night, you're, I mean, look, you're not being paid to be a 260 hitting, 350 on-base percentage. I'm sorry that it comes down to that, but you're not. You You need to... Play at a different level, and I guess I just you argue he's not capable, and I don't know what to tell people that if he's not capable, I don't know what else to tell his club if he's not capable. Um, but he's you got to get that run home. You've got to. That's what you are paid to do. You, you, we talked about it um, right before the All Star break. Do you we believe in clutch inning? Saying, oh yeah. Okay. I definitely okay. do. And actually, I think you, I don't know. Um, it's one of those ambiguous terms where everyone yeah. kind of has their own meanings and everything else. I think you actually just nailed the issue with Vado, though. And um, we had talked about it before the All-Star break. We said, who was the biggest disappointment? We were going through the superlatives, yeah. right? I didn't have him as that either. And I said it was Vado just yeah. because it, for this team to be – everyone said coming into this year that offense was not going to be a problem. Yeah, this team I was could one score runs. Was they would be fine. Right up there but it. everyone also thought, well, Joey Votto isn't done yet. He's going. He may not be – Joey Votto is going to hit 35 home runs, but he's not done yet. He's still a productive player who will bounce back and have a solid year. You know what you're going to get out of him, worst case scenario. But to me, even if you're counting on him just to be a guy that gets on base at the top of your lineup, he's not doing that at a high enough level. And he well, he's doing it higher than anybody else on the club, so I, I can't, I can't not, completely ding him for that, but he's not doing it at a level that... You would that, when you're paying, to, right, like you just right. said, what he's being paid to do is not get on base at uh, okay clip and provide nothing else because I mean, he's not fast, he's not putting the ball in play correct. enough, he's not driving the ball into gaps. And the whole thing with the clutch situation is you you nailed it. It is the fact that when a pitcher has to bear down and he's in a tough spot and he has to reach back for his best stuff, he's physically better than Joey Votto now. Correct, almost. 10 times out I mean, of 10. I mean, that was just two fastballs that were literally, here, you, you think you can hit it? Go ahead and hit it. Now, Kimbrell is special. I'm not, I'm not going to take that and, away. And I, I'm the same way. But it's not just him. We're seeing average fastballs being thrown belt high. And earlier in the year, it was Puig and Vado back-to-back in this lineup, watching those guys just fan on yep. average fastballs that were belt high. Now, all of a sudden, Puig is starting to take those balls Correct. long or at least drive them through the wall. Correct. I mean, he is hitting lasers. Vado still can't get around on anything. I mean, right or wrong, and I know you're hitting second in the lineup and your RBI opportunities aren't the same as they got in the middle, but 23? 23 RBIs, come on. I don't even have enough time. Nick Senzel has to have more. I bet you Nick Senzel, who didn't come up till May the 3rd and is hit leadoff, and yes, he's hit fifth and sixth thumb. I'll bet you Nick Senzel has more. I'm doing this completely off the top of my head, and I know you're going to look it up for me. But, you know, and maybe the, maybe the lesson here is this. Joey Votto did deserve... 28 RBIs for Nick Senzel. And he's hit lead off a chunk of this. Not all the time. But a decent amount of it. But a decent amount of it. I mean, Jesse Winker's hit lead off a chunk. Jesse Winker's got 28 or 29 RBIs. Um, The lesson here is this. As much as you want to lock up the Joey Vados of the world as long as you can, the lesson is you just can't, you can't pay, you can't pay for what you perceive to be performance past 35, 36 years old at a high level. But what Maybe for a year of that, but dude, you're still on the hook for a hundred million dollars. And I, you got to admit this. I don't think it's going to get any better. Oh, heck no. I mean, I mean, if it's stabilized, I take, I take the stabilization of 270 with a 360 on base percentage. I take that. Yeah. With no power at this point. Correct. That's what you're hoping for from him. Um, and that's, unfortunately it's kind of sad. It's not, that's not the type of player the Reds can pay this type of money. Correct. I don't know what a team like the Reds does going forward though because basically when you say that 
Well, then your solution is, well, we can never really have a franchise player then because you're going, it's, you're always paying guys maybe, for what they did, maybe, right? Maybe you can't. Maybe you do what you did with Suarez. Suarez was at the right age to lock him up for a chunk of years, and the next time he comes up for a deal, you just let him go. Just let him go. I, and, and, pr- and you get six or seven good years out of Suarez. I'll, I'm good with that. You're probably right. That's a tough way to go about doing business. It's a tough way to sell, sell your organization to your fans. Now I know winning will trump all of that as long as you win. Right. But man, you better be damn good at winning because if you're if you're getting ready your franchise players that people have grown to love and everything and then you flop after that and it doesn't work, you're back in a rebuilding process, that's going to be really tough to swallow. But the alternative is what the Reds have been for however long yeah, now and know, that's not fun either. You would have thought they learned their lesson with Barry Larkin and granted Barry it was only 3 years and 27 mil I believe at the time that they did him at a stage in his career where he it, 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 they shouldn't yeah. have done it. Um, you know, the Homer Bailey contract, they got lucky to get out from under. They're not getting out from under this deal. And when you, and I know people are, well, you know, he's already earned that money. No, he hasn't. I mean, no, I'm sorry, he hasn't. I mean, do you, here's I, my, I, I, look, I am, I am not here to bash Joey Votto for, for past performance. No, he's had an incredible career. Correct. He's one of the best he's Reds ever. He's one of the ever. best Reds ever. And there's no denying that part of it. But you just you need more and if you don't get more i don't know do you take him out of the lineup i i, I mean i can't imagine you have someone that's that much better than joey vado right I, I agree with i you. don't I, think I, he's terrible the issue is he's not even remotely well, that, special well, i guess it comes out of this if you if, if you and i i do this is the this is one of the most frustrating reds teams i've ever watched because i do think they're better than what their record indicates and it just, and they're fun to watch when correct. things go well and it just feels like there's been so many one one run losses piling up and some of it, yeah, I guess you can point to David Mel- Bell for those that do. And in some cases, it's it's him. Some of it is situations like this. Get a big hit. Friday night. Score the runner from third base. Do that. Do the little things like that. And if you don't, then I don't know how this team takes that step forward because he is going to be in the lineup. He needs to produce in the lineup. I don't need him to produce at 2010 Joey Votto level. Right. But I need more than average. Honestly, I can argue less than average guy, right? Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think he has to be great. But again, I go back to the issue is when it's best on best, when it's that moment where it's like Joey Votto versus whoever's on the mound, it doesn't have to be the best in the major. It doesn't have to be Aroldis Chapman throwing fastballs by him anymore. No. It can be pretty much anyone. And he has trouble, it seems like, hitting a guy's best stuff. And so right now, he's pretty much a guy that can loop a mistake pitch into left center for a single. Yes. And other than that, he's hoping for walks. Like, that's just walks and slap singles. It's it's not a fun player to watch right now. I almost feel bad for him because I, I the do, way his I, skills I have deteriorated. I, I do, too. It has to be frustrating because it's still the mind's still there. He still sees sure. pitches and stuff fine. He still takes it's a ton fr- of pitches. It's frustrating because you turn, turn those two games around, and I'm not pinning it straight on Joey Votto because Rizal Iglesias is the one that gave up the home run, and he's done that a lot this year, right? He's given up big, big hit after big, big hit, it feels like. But last night, you're up 3 nothing. Add on. Um, get the big hit when you need to get the big hit. Friday night against Colorado, um, I didn't like the decision to bring in David Hernandez, and it cost them, but they also had a chance earlier for Joey to play add-on, to build a two-run lead, to make it a little bit of a, of, of, of a breathing room. Turn those around, man. You're 4-1 since the All-Star break, and you're flying high. Yeah, and then you had some momentum going in. Correct. It, it, that's the other thing with this team is just that Anytime they build any, any sort of little momentum, and it's not a lot. I mean, no, they've never like been on a run, but it's like, yeah, they get someone else loses, they win two or three, and it's like, hold on, they they're back in the thick of things here, maybe, and then they just can't capitalize on that at all. That's that's really been frustrating to watch as well. But I mean, yeah, I, I, th- 
the thing with Votto is the entire team has struggled to hit with runners in scoring positions. So it's certainly it not gets just magnified, him. right? And his average, like he's hitting two sixty on the season. Now a lot of that's because of the horrid start the right. first month or two. He was two oh six after May or whatever. Right. But he's also he's hitting like two sixty four with runners in scoring positions. So he's actually been better with runners in scoring positions slightly than he has overall. But it's like that just that's not enough for me. You know, like I mean it's just I don't know what the solution is either because I do think it's a a physical issue at this point. I just don't think he's good enough. Right now, he's basically getting paid a million dollars per RBI, in case you're wondering. That's not great. No. All right, Skinny, it's that time of the year. Oh, boy. Conferences across the country are hosting their college football media days this week. Those are exciting. The AAC already had theirs. The SEC is Wednesday after we record this, so forth and so on. Of course, the big excitement of media day is always the release of the preseason polls. How's my team picked fifth? But it's also the time of the year we start hearing projections and win totals. So with that, let's take a look at some Vegas over-unders for our local teams. And we'll start with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Obviously, coming off a year, they, they built some momentum towards the end of the season. High expectations on this team coming back. Uh, UCF is always a factor in the AAC at the top, but they're they're predicted to be right there with them. The over-under for the Bearcats set at seven and a half wins. You go over or under that I, number? I go over. I think it's a, I think it's a nine, nine win team. I think they've easily. scheduled eight wins. I, I do too. I mean, look at the schedule. No, you I agree. Fine. And, and I think they're good enough to, to eke out another one at the very least out of that. So I, 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 I think that over is an easy over. I do too. I mean, they're really going. And the thing is, it's one of those teams too that even at a couple of key positions could afford an injury or two. And I'm not here to suggest that you want that to happen, but there's sometimes you look and go, well, that's a hard number only because if, if player A gets hurt, they don't have B to back him up. They got depth. I mean, they've got some quality depth across the board at a lot of different spots. I know offensive line's a little bit of a question mark, and the James Hudson decision by the NCAA has kind of dinged that a little bit. But I, I, it's a, it's it's got they got a lot of guys back off of a pretty good football team last year that found an identity, and I think the bus is rolling forward. I'm going I'm going way over that total. Yeah, I mean, I think they win that opening game at UCLA. Again. That's at home. And, at home, yeah. yeah. And and then you've got Ohio State the next week. Which yeah, is, you're not beating. You're them. not beating Ohio State, but, but you it's got Miami. Be, you still got Miami. You're beating Miami. Right after that, like try to find the losses. It comes down to kind of like that UCF game, Correct. and that's about it. What else? No, I mean, agreed. Houston. I don't know. I think they're better than Houston. Yeah, I do too. So, I mean, you're really trying to have to look for losses on that UC schedule after you get past the Ohio State game. And, uh, you know, obviously UCF could go either way. UCF would be the favorite, but. Uh, yeah, but and I'm even talking, there's even wiggle room for one or two other losses if you take the over. I mean, eight, oh, yeah. eight and four is. But I don't. I cannot find three, I, much less four losses. I can't find game. five. And that's what you're, if you're going under the seven and a half, you're looking for five losses. I cannot, I can't come close to finding five. Yeah, I don't see it. All right, Ohio State, a little bit tougher with their prediction. They're predicted to win 10 games. Um, you go over or under the 10? I, I, I'd I love to have seen more out of Justin Fields at, at Georgia other than him coming in occasionally being a runner. Um, I know he's highly regarded. Um, he didn't play much at Georgia only because there was a guy better than him in front of him, so this wasn't because of Justin Fields stunk. Um, that system is awful quarterback friendly. I, I, I figure they, they'll get it right, but... Man, ten just seems like it's right on the number. Um, can I can I can I pass on that bet? Is is there is there a you way push? I, 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 <laughs> you I, can I, push I, your bet. I, I, think, I think you bet the push. <laughs> ten seems almost about right on. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under at nine and three, and I'm probably way wrong on that. But I'm gonna go. I I just need to see more out of Justin Fields than than what I've seen to this point. Yeah, I mean. 
I don't I don't think there will be a game that they're going to be the underdog in. Probably not at their schedule. No, probably not. I, I think they'll lose. Ten, at feel, least, ten feels like the right number to me. I, just, I'm on eleven. I think they'll lose really? one game, and then it's going to require a slip up by them. And they, everyone's prone to that. That happens certainly, especially uh, when you're. In oh, I mean, like everybody that, has that game. I mean, even Alabama has that game. You just got to find a way to survive that game. Right, and, and certainly Ohio State hasn't always done that. Right. We've seen that the Michigan in recent State years. game a couple years ago. I mean, yeah, but. I th- I in Purdue. I mean, yeah, right. Looking back to last year, uh, but Ohio State again before the season, trying to find two losses on the schedule is. I just am going with a quarterback that I don't. The, the jury's still out, and I, I guess you could argue the same thing last year about Dwayne Haskins, right? That there's a little jury still out on him, but yeah, I, I, I think people felt better about I, Dwayne. I, Haskins. I, I did, I do too. I don't feel bad about Justin Fields. I just felt like every time he came into a Georgia game, he just basically came in to be a runner. Yeah, but man, they're just the rest of that team is so deep and so I stacked. Don't disagree. I just, I, don't I think, disagree. I think you're right that the quarterback is set up to succeed there, and if you're talented, ten just feels right. I feel, I feel really good if it was nine and a half, and you could bet ten. Yes, that's I'd why feel, Vegas feel, put it. At I know. 10, I, I feel think. perfect if it was nine and a half, and they gave me ten. Yeah, I feel pretty good. I even think with last that year 10. they gave ten and a half, and I did like eleven. But I, boy, I have a hard time finding eleven's just. There's just always you're right. There's always a slip up somewhere, and then you can't have any kind of slip up again, or some team that's gotten better than what you thought they were going to be, and suddenly there it is. Ah, I, nine and three. I know I'm going to be wrong on that, but if I was, if you put a gun to my head, I'd take the under. All right, Kentucky six and a half is the number for the Wildcats. Man, you lost a bunch of dudes. Although you got you got some dudes back up front. The I, one thing I love about Kentucky is their defense was really good last year. Correct. And you now you lost a lot. You obviously, lost, obviously, I mean, you but lost you bring a back lot. Cash Daniel, and that dude seems like a leader of men. He is, but I don't think he's very good. <laughs> That's the problem. I don't think he's very. I don't think he's very good. I don't know, but I think just his yelling and playing with the. Bro- I, I would wrap his arm in one of those clubs and say he has a broken arm the entire the entire year, time because he just played because with of it. how fired up he looks playing with that thing. I, I think their biggest loss. Everybody keeps pointing to the Benny Snell loss i love benny snell and they rode benny snell for a lot wow, but their biggest loss is all the dudes they lost in that secondary that secondary was really really josh allen good. is the biggest and josh loss. allen too well because he was a record but he was a record in part because the secondary was really good yeah too. that helped but he also made it a lot easier for them by putting a whole lot yeah. of pressure up no I, josh allen was great i yeah. there's no quiet i mean the numbers prove it is his draft stock proved it i think where they really lost is, is those guys in the secondary i'll go i'll go over because I still think they're better than Louisville, and I I, fi- I have a hard time finding non conference losses on the schedule. That gets you four. Vandy probably gets you five. South Carolina probably gets you six. I'll go over at seven and five. I don't feel good about the over at seven and five, but I'll, I'll go seven and five. Yeah, I'm going under. Um, when when I look at the schedule, I'm kind of with you. I'm it's it's not easy to find the losses, but then I remember. This is oh, UK in, the in the non-conference. In the non-conference, yeah. yeah. But then I remember, this is also UK football. And um, they, last year was a good year for them, I would say. But, Great year. But, I mean, you were, you were playing Georgia for a chance to go to the SEC championship game. That doesn't happen in Kentucky. Uh, right, and I don't expect that it's just going to continue. They lost so much from that team. I know. I'm not ready to just give these guys the benefit of the doubt. They're the type of team that usually slips up and loses two no, or three that, games they shouldn't no, win every year. So well, Last year, to, to, to that at Kentucky, that's what you, you have to build for a year like that. And yeah. we, we've talked about that in some other basketball programs. right? You build for that year, and then there's a drop-off, and you try to build again two or three years down the road, and that feels like that's kind of... They're not but, at the starting over process completely. No, but they're also not the type of team that like, the oh, reloads. They, they got the, the, the right reloads. coach, and now they're just yeah. going to keep bulldozing yeah. I, in the SEC. I have a hard time believing that. Yeah, I think I, I see them at six wins this year. I think they're right below that six and a half. Yeah, the only thing I would say is outside of Georgia on their side of the conference in the in the East, 
I, I, it doesn't wow me. There's not much, but again, I just look at I, I, like UK. It's you don't but have you to. You got to at some point. Tennessee bounces back, right? It, it, you know, this, Missouri's like, Missouri's a Kentucky. They're they can be really good, and they can also be five and seven type teams. So right. you, you don't know South Carolina. I'm still not convinced they're great, but you got to pull a talent there. Florida's the interesting one because. Who know? That, that's what I'm talking about. Like you get into those games. Georgia's talking definitively about, head and shoulders. So we're going to point to them and go see. A that's a you definite to, loss. Yeah. But you get into like the Floridas and the Vanderbilts and all these other South Carolinas, which is Mississippi their State cross rival game. Yeah, you get into those games and it's like those could go either way. Why am I giving UK the benefit of the doubt in football? And, and don't get me wrong, no, I'm not no, a UK I, hater I by you, any stretch of the imagination. You. But they've got a lot to rebuild here. I don't know that I have all that much confidence yeah, in going, the staff to do it. I'm going four zero in the non conference, and they find three wins in the in the conference. I'll go seven and five. But it, I. Tell you what, you be you'll be sweating. You may go sweat that out to the to the very final game where I, holy cow, they got to get this win to get me my seven to get me the over. I would not feel comfortable. With I it. think you will be. Fortunately, I think that last game is Louisville, isn't it? Is. it? So, it is, yeah. so you'll feel pretty good if that's the one you yeah. need. Uh, all right, Louisville is the last team on our list. The the over for them, they went winless last year. The over for them this year is three and a half. Where do you have Louisville? I mean, I guess you can go from winless to five or six sometimes, but I don't know if you do that at Louisville. I just don't know if that happens there. Well, and the uh, problem is they still stink. And they're, they don't, and they're they don't still have in a pretty good football league in the ACC. And yeah. again, Kentucky, I think, is better than them right now. And it feels like that flips. Like every three or four years, one team runs through a dominating period, and then it flips, and the other team runs through a dominating period. I don't know if Kentucky's in a dominating period right now, but I think they're the better program. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked at their non-conference. I'm sure they've scheduled a couple of wins like everybody does. I'll give you that. They've scheduled about three of them, and then it's tough to find wins. Well, but if you you schedule three, I'll get you four. I'm going over. I'm going to go four and eight for the Ville. All right. I mean, it's such a low number, and when you can schedule those non-conference games, you would think you're going to win three games at least. Um, after that, I just and here's the thing: none I mean, they of those got three. Of so, they got killed in some games. Oh, last they were awful. Yeah, they were awful. And even looking at those win, those non-conference games where you're going, okay, they tried to schedule themselves a win there. I don't know if they're guaranteed wins. No, this they, team could still be pretty bad. I've got them at three. Um, I, I think out of all the out of all these prop bets, the one I would feel most comfortable about, I, I would pass on probably Ohio State. UK and Louisville. It's I would I would go all in on the UC over. Yeah, I think UC at seven and a half is a pretty good value bet right yeah. there. I mean, I think sort of the apprehension there is that they're not for real. That what like they did last year isn't for real, which I I don't really question. And I think they're look. A great I, spot. They, they won the UCLA game with smoke and mirrors just because you had a yeah. You didn't they weren't know quite we were, ready for that you, yet. Correct, but, but they pulled found, it off. And after that, they were good. I mean, they, they were legit good. Yeah, so, uh, and they're better this year. I mean, they, in theory, in theory, yeah. Yes. Last year they were still building yeah. that thing. I mean, and and Luke Fickle talked about this uh, with I think it was Jed Demusi or one, one of our. He was on the news um, last night and he was talking about that. This is what like the mom- probably a clip from Media Days. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the momentum that you that you build at, at the end of last year. The offseason that you just went through is where you really make the Correct. strides. Once guys have confidence yep. and believe you're building towards something, yep. that's where you really improve. So he's like, the improvements we made last year were great, but we think we've gotten a ton better going I don't think forward. Lip service, I don't a lot think, of that can be lip service, as you know. You've been through that kind of stuff. I don't think this is. I well, think it's legit. It may be lip service, but he's actually right this time in saying it because last year they weren't quite ready to no. do what they did yet and this year is kind of more of one of the years they were building for he's and, had two recruiting and to classes cap it off now. with the bowl win the way they won the bowl game i, I that that carried it over I, again i if i'm doing this i'm passing on three of those and i'm gonna take i'm gonna take all the money you give me to make these wagers and put it all on the uc over i'm with you yeah. i think that's the easy play here all right skinny the independent atlantic league is doing all types of crazy stuff in minor league baseball 
Last Wednesday, the league became the first ever to use a robot umpire in their all-star game. A live human stood in place of a normal umpire with ear pods in and relayed the call. A live human. A live human. (laughs) And relayed the call from an app on his phone. Now the league has announced it will experiment with four other rule changes for the second half of the season. Among those rules, allowing batters to steal first base. If a batter or a batter may run to first and try to beat the throw after any pitch not caught in flight, the batter would be out if he is beaten by the throw or is tagged before touching first. The other rules include a pitcher will be required to step off the rubber for pickoff attempts. That's the dumbest. A batter will be allowed one foul two-strike bunt before a strikeout is called. And plate umpires will define check swings more favorably for a batter. Those last three rules don't do much for me. They don't do much for me, me either. But those first two are, are interesting. interesting. The robot umpire thing's been talked about. I think at some point only, it may come in some form the, or fashion. Yeah, the only thing is, and I, and I heard an interview with a guy from that league that was asked about the robot umpire. And he said it... it, it, it it hasn't been a negative thing, but the umpire can actually overrule the robot, which I don't, I don't quite understand. Is that like there are still glitches in the app? Well, yeah, one of it was he said, if I, and I, this actually happened to me in a, in a summer league college game when I was, <laughs> we used to play in a summer league. We'd play a doubleheader on, or a single game on a Saturday night and a doubleheader on a Sunday. And usually the single game you'd play at, well, you play Thomas Moore NKU, but the doubleheader always felt like it was at NKU. And so I'm leading off a summer league game, and one of the guys who umped in this college league was 95 years old and just was brutal, and you just had to deal with it. So I lead off, and the first pitch of the game, guy throws me a big breaking ball that bounced and bounced perfectly in the catcher's mitt, and he calls a strike. And I stepped out. I said, whoa, whoa, hang on a second. I said, it bounced. And the catcher's laughing. He goes, don't let him fool you. I said, no, 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 no. Hang on. It bounced. I said, check out there with it. Well, apparently the guy in the field, he wasn't paying attention to it. So I get rung up for a strike on literally a curveball that bounced in the dirt right in the catcher's mitt. And that's what the, I think the glitch is for that. If I guess it, 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 up, I guess it, it would it, still register I guess it reads as a strike. It reads that it went uh, th- into the zone. So I think that's maybe where the overrule can come into play. Okay. Well, I don't have any issue yeah, with that. I don't that doesn't seem like a problem. Yeah. yeah. No, I like the first. I think the, the steel one's interesting to me. That's that I kind of like that idea. It's like a drop third strike at all times. At all times. Now, but think about a guy like Billy Hamilton. Correct. It was the one thing that everybody always said. If he could steal first. The only he could steal first. I mean, it, this would allow that. I, it, Correct. It, I don't know how often this would actually happen, but it does seem like there's well, a decent amount of times that pitches would get away from catchers. Well, let me. And you see it sometimes with catchers. Catchers are far more, um, far more trying to block a ball when there's somebody on base. on base, right? Right. So a lot of times, if there's nobody on base, and you see it, it's one-two curveball. Guys trying to get you to swing at one. He bounces it wide, and the catcher maybe takes a swipe at it and it goes with the backstop he doesn't care because it's nobody's on base it's just ball two he didn't swing at it so i don't have to go chase it now suddenly you got to start blocking that ball catchers, or going to chasing it catchers will be the ones who hate this rule no question because it, it's a lot more taxing well, or pitchers because are you gonna really you get one two on a guy do you really want to bounce one and for fear that i just wasted letting him get on base by bouncing a curve that got away from my catcher well of course but if i'm on the mound i'm Complaining to my catcher for not blocking that thing. Yeah, maybe that's, that's that's probably fair. I guess it's, it's on It's kind of his job. I, I I don't need a bunch of rule changes. I know everybody's always wanting to tweak games and make them. That one interests me. It's just interesting. It is because it, baseball. There's not a lot you can do to make it more exciting. They talk about like adding pitch clocks. That doesn't make it more exciting. That doesn't no, it just really speeds it up. It's all, yeah, slightly it speeds it up, but not, not by not, a ton. The, the thing this about, changes the game a little bit, and but changes not, the game a lot of bit, but, but not in a way that's like, oh, that's 
that's absurd or that's disrespectful. Or that's that's going to change everything. That's, I, so that's a very easy implementation, I think. I, and I pro, I need to look up. I, I put this story up on our website last week because it intrigued me enough to think it would get some clicks, and it did. Um, a lot of people were complaining. I don't want not, rule not, changes. Not to brag, but yeah, no, it, you, it, it, you garnered some clicks there. No, I because I, I, it was interesting. It was interesting. It for was me to read. interesting. I clicked on it. The thing though, I didn't. I don't completely. So I, let's just say the bases are loaded, right? Yeah. And a guy bounces one in the dirt, and the guy on third decides I can't make it, but the guy at home plate goes. I got to run. I want to run. Is there a force out at home? No. no. Well, if bases are loaded, if I'm running the first, the guy on first can't stand there. No, it's like, uh, haven't you ever watched Knothole? When uh, the drop third strike, the drop third strike is like the... No, no, I'm not talking about drop third. I'm talking about just bouncing. No, I, I, know, I know you're not, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it okay. this way. It's like, if you ever watch a Knothole game, drop third strikes are pretty much the entire game. Like, Correct. guys are just running to first every Correct. time they strike out. But if first base is occupied... You're not allowed to do it, right? So that it would just be like that. You just eliminate the rule of first base and, is occupied, and, and, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's. Well, I think it. that's the easy way to do it because otherwise, I like. For, I mean, one, it would just be Chris Webber moments. Guys, completely <laughs> not understanding what's going on if they started doing that. Because and the other part is, no one's going to run a wrestle force out. Uh-huh. How many steps can you take before you determine that you made a move to go towards first? Is it a two steps? Is it Ooh, three so, steps? So that's interesting. Like an because aggressive swing. The, the one thing is, you can't. You, you can't get in a pickle on this. It is literally right. you're, you're, you're you're out. out. You, they, yeah. they can come down and tag you, whatever. But you're they throw it the first. They it's a, it's a force play at first. That I, so that's an interesting part of it that I didn't really think about. If you had like an aggressive swing where you kind of bailed out of well, the box, it doesn't box, have to be a swing. Don't forget, it can be just a ball that's bouncing the dirt. You don't even swing at it. Well, sure, but in that case, that's going to be like a you made the decision to start running. Oh, yeah, okay, what yeah. I'm saying is where the confusion where you're going to get arguments is where like some guy, some lefty takes some big and swinging takes hack an and bails a little bit two step, yeah. and then the, they're going to say, no, he went, tag him out, and the umpire's going to agree, and the guy's going to go, what are you talking about? I didn't try to run. I and bailed then, out of the box. And then the robot umpire's going to overturn it, and you're going to get a chance <laughs> to go back to home plate. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of the robot umpire? Um, I'm, I mean, I'm fine with it because it's it's for balls and strikes, right? And I think balls and, and strikes. I'm telling you what, anymore with that K zone or whatever you want to call it, the box that's put up, and you watch umpires, they're actually really, really good. They are pretty darn good. And you watch pitches that are like, for anybody that's ever stood in there and faced a 95 mile an hour fastball, let me just tell you something. It, it is hard to see, and I'm telling you, as an umpire, it's hard to see. When that ball is painting the black or not painting the black, and you're talking fractions of 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 space there, and they're pretty damn accurate. Now, if you want 100% accuracy and you think the robot umpire is going to do that, great. It takes that out of the umpire's hands to where, oh, he's giving him the outside corner. He's giving him six inches off the black tonight, or he's not. He, this guy's squeezing. Well, there's no more of that stuff. That's See, that's the, the bigger thing to me. It's, it. it's not so much that it's like, oh, I need this because they're getting too many balls and strikes wrong. It's the idea that we all have to play by the same thing now every game. We all know what to expect, and there's no gray area. It's I didn't make the call. The computer made Correct. the call, so you Correct. can't argue with me now Correct. about it. If you're the, from an umpire's perspective, I would think they would like that in a lot of ways. Because well, I mean, I'm sure they don't because they feel like they're being replaced. But to me, if as long as they're still there, they still have to be there to to handle all this stuff and and to make the judgment calls when they have to overrule it. Right. Apparently, so I think that would be great for them because you can just tell managers to shut up and stay in the, the dugout now. Correct. They can't come out and argue with a Correct. called third strike. Well, it's like anything. it's like replay now. You really you can't argue with the replay. It just the right, replay they still rules. Do they still do right? Correct. Um, the only other one that was it, it's not intriguing. I don't I, I don't I don't like the idea of the stepping off the rubber for a pickoff attempt. I, I, the only I'm thinking is they're trying to let you have a better chance to steal bases. I'm guessing they want big leadoffs. Yeah. It's going to well, give you a big and, chance. And a chance to steal bases, which there's an exciting element to the game of, I mean, I grew up in a stolen base here. In the 70s and 80s where 
the 80s especially, when you had all these big ballparks on artificial turf, was slap the ball on the turf and get on base and steal second, steal third, and bunt him home. I mean, that, that was kind of that era. And maybe that's what they're trying to do. Of They're trying to add at least more, because nobody steals anymore. Because it's, it's well, people, the, the argument is it's a waste of an out if, if you're thrown out. I don't c- quite believe that. Well, I plus think, everyone's just home run or strike out correct, anyway. So it's like, correct. why move guys around when, correct. I mean, I'm trying to hit it out anyway, yeah, or I'm going to strike out. It yeah. doesn't matter. I'm not trying to play small ball. Um, I like the idea of getting more running back in the game. The, I just don't know I, that I like this. I guess I guess the thought would be, if you have to step off first, I'm going to be way farther off the bag because I got more chances. There's no, so there's it no it, question. It makes it easier for me to run, but it also makes there's more no opportunities for throwing over, trying to pick me off, and now we got to play. I mean... Dude, left-handers. I mean, you usually would go if their foot, if their front foot would come across the back of the rubber. That's when you yeah. would go. Except for the old Tom Browning move, well, that, that little that, quick step off correct. and fire. That's a nice little. That move. is a nice move. But now I'm not. I'm not concerned. Once I see the guy go into his kick and it, that You're kick done. for the left-hander, sometimes it always feels like their kick is bigger than a right-hander's kick. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Well, and also I'm gone. S- they step at that 45 degree yeah. angle, and, and it's hard to read it. The umpire. It's hard to yeah. read it. Now you can't do that. You have to literally step off to do it. For right-handed pitchers, I mean, that's an You're done. That's I mean, an awkward move. You can't hold a guy on first base at no. all with that rule. Correct. Which I don't I don't like that concept from a pitcher's perspective, which is where I'd come from that with my initial thought. But you do bring up a good point. I mean, we complain about the the fact that it's all strikeout or home run now. This would be a rule that's at least trying to change that. Yeah. I don't know if it would help. Oh, I think it would help immensely. You do? I do I think it would help immensely. I don't so would you like to see Major I, League try it? I don't I, out of all these rules, I I don't like this. I honestly, when a push comes to shove, I don't like to steal a first base. I think it's cool to talk about and it's interesting, and I'd like to see it in action. I do kind of like to step off the rubber, though. I'd like to see more running. Now, baseball has evolved. The sabermetricians will tell you it's a waste. I'm one that says I can sabermetrically probably get a stat for you that, like Billy Hamilton, in theory, didn't have a lot of worth, right, OPS wise, and he didn't. But I could also argue that if you want to take Billy Hamilton's stolen bases minus his caught stealings and add that to his total bases, like he steals 56 and gets caught nine times, I know maybe you can argue an out is worth more than a base. Right. But all he had plus 47 to his total bases. I mean, he added a base there, did he not? Yeah. Put that into the mix and his OPS, it's still not going to, it's never going to be great, but at least it's going to be a little more. I think it, I think there's some value to the running game. I do. You know the stat that I, I, I wish I had this and I don't, but that I always thought was interesting with guys like Billy Hamilton is what's the batting average of guys I, at the plate yes. while he's on base? Right. Because you can find it. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, pitchers to me are just a train wreck when a guy like that, they're just not focused on the pitch they're throwing You're right. because they're so worried about, I got a slide step. I got to throw over. Is he going on this pitch? And some or the guys next aren't pitch? comfortable with slide. Uh, step. I don't, I should throw my curveball here, but it's a slow looping curve and I don't want to throw it in the dirt and let him get second base. So like they change what they do because of guys with that type of speed. I would like to see guys like that have more of a role in the game and more of a place, yeah. even if they can't hit. I, I think for baseball, I, I know people talk about marketing of stars and all that stuff. I, I, I do think for a lot of fans, the all or nothing concept of it has become fairly routine and boring that, I don't want to say the home run's ever boring, but the whole walk, strikeout, home run, that's the thats the game. I think there is some excitement to the running game. I, there is. I, I do. There I, 100% is. I mean, I, I, I agree. I don't think you should be sacrificed bunting or, or any of that. I'm not, I'm not one of those old school guys in that regard at all. But I do think there is absolutely some merit to the idea that it's more fun when you're playing a little small ball and moving guys around the bases and there's pickles and guys are getting thrown out and guys are trying to go first to third and getting thrown, gunned down at third yeah, as opposed gunned to, down at home. Yeah, as opposed to the, the guy stands on first, there's two outs, the bloop single gets him to second, here comes all or nothing Fred again, he fans. Well, maybe this bloop single, if the guy was able to steal second base, 
It gets you, it steals your run. Yeah, and I know the math doesn't back up a lot of this it, stuff, it, and it's 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 not. But but, it, but if you had more chance to successfully steal, I think that's the case. Today you don't have a lot of chances. Pitchers have become really good with slide steps. They become really good with their moves. Catchers' arms are better than they've ever been. I mean, so so stealing a base is far harder today, and you don't. A lot of those players don't come up because you're looking for home run guys. Um, in this case, if the stolen base is made a little bit easier and you add a few more speed guys or it gives that speed guy a value, I, th- I think it adds something to the game. I really believe that. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for adding any type of excitement, adding any more running or plays. Just We need more plays in baseball yes. where something happens. It, there's too much just, okay, it's a fly ball caught out. You know, there's not like... You're trying to throw someone out and tag them, and there's a call. Like, I mean, that's that, the exciting part dude, of baseball. The, the, the La Rosa's Pizza uh, promotion that they do at, at, at Great American Ballpark, the 11 strikeouts. Ten years ago, that would have been that would have been something that stupid they, idea. Well, they because they, it would never they, happen. They would have thought, all right, this is going to happen a couple times, right? And now it's 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 like a, it's a nightly basis. Basically, almost half the outs anymore are coming on somebody not putting a ball in play. As a fan, is that are you having fun watching that? Are you really? No, I I don't think I don't think anyone could argue that they are. Now I understand where the math people are coming from on yes. all this, and I understand that the numbers do bear out a lot of this stuff, and I agree with all that. If I'm playing to win, that's what I want. But I'm not playing anymore. I'm a fan who's watching the game and paying money sometimes to go to the games. I want to watch what I like to watch, and that is more guys on base, more guys running, getting thrown out, trying to stretch. I like dumb baseball, I guess. I like guys making mistakes and getting out. I, I do. <laughs> you like you like slow guys trying to stretch doubles into triples. Yeah, that Rick B. All-Stars right there. <laughs> there it is. That's what it's all it's exactly about. exactly right. Bunting for singles. That was my favorite move, like my junior, senior year. I had like a, I lost like maybe like a 10 pounds of baby fat going into my senior year. So you felt like you were really fast? Well, everyone knew I was really slow. So third baseman would be playing me two feet behind the base. I just kept drawing kept, summer ball. I'd just roll a bunt down there almost every game and run to first because I was flying at that Everybody point. Everybody ever yell at you, swing the bat like a man? the trailer. Yeah, well, usually I'd go and uh, hit a little slap single to right field or something after that to really flex on <laughs> yeah, it. That would, yeah, yep. really impress them. Yep, and occasionally hustle that into a double. Yeah, don't don't think about letting that guy on again. Yeah, he's too quick. Too quick. I do. I will say this in, in closing that, that, that little segment there. I, I think it's cool to experiment with some of this stuff to see, does it work? Is it effective? Especially and if it is, a minor league? I mean, yeah. hell, what, do you, what have you got to lose? You do every other stupid promotion to begin with. Dude, we're talking about the Atlantic League in right. Cincinnati. Right. Right? And that's that's the whole key. But usually they're going for viral promotions of like, yes. oh, we did the stupid jersey or we invited some fat man to do something stupid during in between innings. This is like, actually, we're talking about baseball. Manti Teo girlfriend bobblehead night. You know, you know what that was? You remember no, that one? Nothing. Nothing. Exactly. Did they even give a box out for that with I nothing inside of it? That's a good point. You I got, think they did. You got to print up a box at I least think for they that, did. Right? That was that's actually a great promotion. I thought it was a great promotion, a too. Great promotion. Florence Freedom did that. <laughs> Skinny, the Open Championship tees off on Thursday in Northern Ireland for the first time in 68 years. Tiger Woods is garnering some buzz for his lack of preparation this week. After playing six tournaments in the first 12 weeks of 2019, Woods has played just three tournaments in the 12 weeks since he won the Masters. He last played at the U.S. Open in the middle of June. He then took a vacation to Thailand where he didn't play at all, and now he's practiced for two weeks leading up to the Open Championship. What do you make of Tiger Woods' new approach of playing much less golf? Obviously, I'm not the golf guy. You're a big golf I, guy. I, but I, this interests me because it, it's being talked about so much, and this is yeah. something different. Well, he, he did say the Masters took a bunch out of him, and I get that. It did. I mean, it had to have. It, at, at what he was coming back from, um, he, he geared up for that. He admitted he didn't gear up at all for the U.S. Open, and it showed. Um He's obviously not geared up. I mean, he's played a little bit, but I still think you got to play it. I think you probably need to get a tournament in there just to get 
get the feel of that again. I don't think it helps him, but I do understand it from a physical standpoint. If he physically and mentally thinks this is the right thing, then good for him. But I can't imagine he's in the mix at the Open Championship this week. I hope I'm wrong because it still makes it more interesting when he's involved and the Masters was still a cool moment. But I I think it's, it's, it's very difficult. I, if, if I'm him, I think I'm at the stage where, honestly, I play – I play my event. I play Jack. I play the Memorial because it's Jack Nicholas's event. I play the old Arnold Palmer event, and I play the majors, and that's it. So I garner myself up for those and everything else. And he kind of does that anyway. Is that's almost secondary? Yeah, it almost seems like that's sort of what yeah. he's moving to. Is just playing. But I still the think you got to prepare for these. And maybe, unfortunately for him, the way the calendar has changed to where it's now a major a month has has messed messed him up where he can't do a major a month that he can do and maybe that's it maybe maybe he skips the pga in the future maybe he plays plays the masters the u.s and then the british or maybe he only plays a couple of them i, I don't see that if you're trying to set the record for for major wins you better play every major you can but you also better you better prepare for it too and i don't think he's done that with the last two i i'm kind of curious about that because it seems like the strategy here is that tiger is basically saying I know physically half the time or maybe even much more than that right. most of the time I'm not going to compete with these guys. I'm just not right physically. I'm not the same guy I was. And but, he's not. But once in a while if I'm at my best, I'm in my peak condition, I've played so much golf, my skills are still there. I know the game so well that it really comes down to that one time if I am fully healthy and I have the stamina to make it through playing at 100% health, I'm still going to be smart enough and savvy enough and skilled enough to be in contention for, for a tournament. So this concept is not playing as much as going to put my body, it's and, getting my body I, more chances to is. be at peak condition. Do you think that works, or is golf just a game where you have to play it? Yeah, I mean, again, you could play it by, you can go out and play around with your with, with your buddies or by yourself. Or yeah, or, and that's or what he said. He, he's been, whatever. quote, yeah. playing at yeah. home. But that's, of course, not the same as like playing in a tournament. Do you need to play a tournament like I, the week before a, a I, Major almost everybody does. Yeah, I, I did. mean almost everybody. We, we just does. haven't really seen this before. I mean, Brooks Kepka says he never plays. I don't know if that's true or not. I be. I, I, well, no, no, he he, he played. He's like terribly in I one know. of the, one of those crappy events that just went on. But he, his his quote the other day was what that uh, the only time I, mean, I play golf is when yeah. you see me on TV. Yeah. And it's, there's, some, there's probably some truth. I mean, he feels like he gears himself up right or wrong for the majors. I mean, that's yeah. what he's done here of late. Uh, is that guy just, is he got a couple screws it loose feels or like is it, he just not like golf or what's his deal? It, I mean, it, it, he's it a feels, character to it me. Feels, well, if you're going to just keep rolling out major wins, why do you need to play the rest of these shock yeah. events? <laughs> I, mean, I don't need to play these. What an insanely talented dude, though, if he's really nope. not practicing at nope. all. I'm sure he's practicing enough. I I, I, I will give you that part. But I'm still, sure it is. seems like these guys most are fanatical. I mean, they play nonstop. Yep. Nonstop. Yep. Uh, just for someone to say that is kind of a funny yeah i just don't see tiger competing in the british i just don't i hope I, i'm wrong i hope it works yeah i mean i just don't. i think it's hard to see him competing in any individual event but do you think he can sort of make that i mean he didn't really do this for the masters because he played well, six events forget. in those first 12 weeks yeah. of this year yeah. so he was kind of in the swing of things when he played the masters but you, but i think the grind of that physically and emotionally and mentally just got him well and that was all on top of last year where he played right. a ton yep and his quote-unquote comeback year yep. where he's like kind of looking like a real golf for again yeah i mean i think maybe he proves us wrong and if he wins this or is in the you know if he gets a top five out of this doing it this way you get a master's in a top five you've had a pretty good year yeah and i don't know i don't think i'd be basing no, top 10 basing this strategy off of one event i think we need to at least see the rest of the year yeah. and say like does he at some point win another one aside from the masters because if that's the case he could really lengthen his career no i doubt. think by kind of keeping the strategy up of like i'm just gonna play the majors and another tournament or two yeah and i think that's probably what he's gonna do all right, Skinny, our final topic off the beaten 
path here a little bit. We've got a little, uh, it's it's a wild Wednesday here on, on the show. We're going to be talking about some, some nature. And basically, I want you to tell me which you'd be more afraid of, which animal you'd less like to see out in the wild. Okay? Ooh. There's two, two options here. Okay. Uh, the first, I'll give you a little story. A police department in Tennessee is asking residents to refrain from flushing drugs such as methamphetamine down the toilet to prevent, quote unquote, meth gators. <laughs> you know, I, back in the day, they would tell you not to, to flush drugs down the toilet in New York City, and that was the fear that they were growing these just toxic, robotic, crazy alligators in the in the tunnels of New York, and maybe they still live down there for all I know. But man, what would you do if you faced a meth gator? Well, first of all, <laughs> I want to know what the meth gator looks like. He has no teeth. No teeth, obviously. I, 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 John Lomax said something about that. He's missing his teeth. I said he's probably wearing jorts. No question. Um, he's shirtless, assuming. Uh, man, I, I, w- I want to see the meth gator. Like, I, I would love to just envision how he, it, but I don't want to be close to it. How does I don't he get want to it, how does he, But it, when he gets hooked on it, how does he keep getting his fix? Or is he just going to like withdrawals and die? Maybe this is a good thing. Well, if enough people are flushing him, maybe you just stay in the pond. Wherever it's, wherever <laughs> it's right. going. Keep, get, keep getting your fix. Yeah, I mean. Do you really? I mean, well, you asked the question of which one. So there must be yeah, somebody, so, something else. Yeah, the, the other one. I, I, I did think see you the saw story this, and it made me laugh. Yeah, and the, the other story, I, I'm not, I'm not going to read it for you. But the uh, there was a researcher who went and found man-sized jellyfish. Oh, I saw that. And there was Holy the video God. of it, too, next that to it. That was incredible. Did you see it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I oh. put the story up on Local 12, and it well, was... Yeah, okay. I didn't know you put that up or not, but... I, yeah, the oh. jellyfish is, I mean, a- actually bigger yes. than the guy with the video camera. Can you imagine if you... Oh, my heavens. How many people would need my to pee on stop. you to fix I, that I, sting? I, my heart would stop. Oh, dude, that sting would... Parry. You'd, be, you'd be dead before you got out of the water. You'd, have, no to, chance. you'd have to take me down to a turf way and have oh. all the Clydesdales <laughs> pee on me, I think, to get out of that one. Did you ever get stung by one? Uh, yes, I did. I had a friend of mine. I did not. I, 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 was, I, I was in the water when I saw a couple where I got the hell out because I, I didn't want any part of that. So, so do you know uh, Frank Niemeyer? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Someone brought, yeah. yeah. So uh, he, well, I was with them on a, it was AAU national tournament back in uh, seventh grade. We were at Virginia Beach, but I was with their family staying with them. And sure enough, we're joking about the whole, I mean, because we're seventh graders, Correct. right? And you hear the, oh, you, well, if you get stung by a jellyfish, someone has to pee on you. That's how you get rid of So that's like a topic of conversation the entire time we're on the beach. Well, sure enough, I get stung on the chest by a jellyfish. Were you in the water? Or did you, or I was in the water. Oh, oh. yeah. So I come out, and I mean, it's obvious. We all know what it is and everything. It's just killing. And uh, Frank was like, I know we were joking about that, but. It's real. I, I'm not peeing on you and telling your parents I peed on their son. So let's go to the market and find something. So we found some type of rula gel is what they called it to put on did, it. Did it work? It somewhat took the sting out, but it was it was hurt for a I know, day and a half too. So you measure the pain of that sting. You measure one that's the size of you doing I that. It kills you. It, it I mean, I assume to. the shock that thing sends through you kills Holy you. Holy cow! But meth gator. See, I think I wouldn't mind facing meth gator because, like I said, I don't think he'll have his teeth. <sighs> Or you at least you could punch him out. Like if he came correct, at you, you right. hit the teeth are brittle. Correct. I would yeah, assume. Correct. But still, he'd be so like. Have you ever seen a guy on meth and they get tasered and they just keep coming right through the taser? They, that's that, the that, thing that, I'm that, worried that, about that, with meth gator. So you don't feel like you tackle him and right, wrap the tape around his his. Yeah. Or more important, like they have crazy strength, and more importantly, if someone's like trying so to hook him, what or, if he had crazy speed? Where you thought you could outrun him and he's got crazy speed. Have you ever seen a gainer move at full oh, speed? They can, they They're can not scoot. slow. No, they can scoot. You would think they'd be slower. Yeah, they, no, they can scoot. Yeah, they they can move. I. Man, but you're right. There's no getting away from a jellyfish in that situation in the ocean. It's not like I can swim away from that giant. Correct. 
that's a lose lose situation. I guess I'll go Meth Gator. Meth Gator only because the hope is the you hope, get to see him and laugh at him at least. Yeah, well, and again, the hope is that that he's lost his teeth by that point. He's looking for his last fix. Yeah, hopefully he's really fiending. I just can't believe that. Where do they come up with the idea that flushing the drugs down the toilet is going to have have gators on meth? Come on now. Yeah, I, I'm going to say they might have been like uh, being a little bit facetious with that one, yeah. while while still not wanting people to flush their meth into the well, sewer here, system. Here's the thing I would ask you. Is, so are these people flushing their meth during raids? Or they just, because they, they're not doing it voluntarily. No, no, no. That's, yeah. That was the situation. Yeah. They were saying, yeah, please don't do that um, because... Oh, because they're thinking straight enough that they're on meth to then when the raid comes to flush their meth. To worry about the ducks and the c- crocodiles getting meth. Yeah. I'd be worried more about a duck on meth. Yeah. You, ducks are geese. Geese oh, are jerks. They're mean. Yeah, very mean. They, I mean, honestly, they'll come at you. They will. I, Ooh, yeah. I, geese I, on meth is more worrisome than gators on meth. Correct, because they won't. I, it's not the teeth. It's just they're just mean. Yeah. Plus hissing and all yeah, that. Yeah, the hissing. The hissing freaks me out. I'm too. not a geese guy. I still. Who, who is though? No one likes geese. No one likes them. They just poop everywhere. They yeah. mess up golf courses. They're nasty. They cross roads at the wrong time. Who's that company that's like geese? Like geese is their logo. It's a goose. Ducks Unlimited. <laughs> <laughs> Ducks Unlimited. That's like an organization, is, though, right? Yeah. But isn't there like a is it Canada Goose or something? And they're like I, a, a jacket that has like who would put geese as their logo? Is what I'm trying to say. That's just a terrible logo. I don't want to be associated with geese. Goose Island beers in there. Goose Island beer. Yeah, but jerks get drunk. I get that no, one, but point. like I don't want to wear and broadcast that. I, I don't either. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I I don't want either one of those. Jellyfish would scare me more because it's it was God. That thing was huge. Yeah. Oh. I just feel like you couldn't get away from it. Correct. I'm w- more worried well, about the, anything in the water because I'm just. I am too, man. I'm I not used an to Olympic never swimmer. Be. I used to. I, we vacationed the beach a lot when I was a, a kid. I haven't done it a lot as an adult. Done it some, but I was never afraid of anything in the water. Now, man, with shark attacks, and so I, I'm always looking around. It's oh, not. See, it's not fun. I'm not like that. I'm. I'm okay. Like I don't worry about it while I'm there and like think someone's gonna attack me. But like the idea of like I'm face to face with something and I'm in the water. I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm screwed at that point because I'm. I don't. I'm an. I can swim a little bit, but I'm not like getting away from an animal. Well, those things just keep kind of floating at you too. You yeah, got, you got no chance. If I got my feet under me, at least I feel like I can push it off, fight it off. I'm not going to run away from anything very yeah. quickly. I'm but. good with Meth Gator. I want to see Meth Gator. <laughs> you know what that sounds like? Punch him right. It sounds like out. an absolute movie that has to be made. Yeah, Reve- Me- Revenge of the Meth Gator. Revenge for Chubbs from uh, Happy That's Gilmore. That's it. He's exactly Bring right. Him back and beat I, Meth Gator. I like it. He'll be the Meth Gator. All right, we'll be back ourselves next week, a week from now, with another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the Pope Edition. And as always, it's been presented by Joseph Chevrolet. <laughs>